Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a Q&A episode and I have three questions I want to dive into. But first, before I do that, I just want to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you're sick of focusing on just weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. We also find there's at least one the two bottlenecks outside of the training and nutrition protocol that we figure out that are keeping you from seeing the results that you are wanting. And, and again, we figure that out. Uh, so if you're interested in that, the link is in the show notes, or you can reach out to me on Instagram and we can chat about this in more detail. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and or map out a game plan. If you want to learn more about body recomp, I have my 75 minute masterclass on body recomp, what it is, how to do it. And you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active on social media. So if you want to reach out or have any questions, reach out to me there. And then lastly, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast. And again, I appreciate everybody that that listens to this podcast already. So with that all the way, let's dive into today's question. So this is a pretty common one that I get. So it's in a fat loss phase, do you change training or continue to lift with progressive overload? And yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's a good question. It is a very common one. And for some people, it's duh, this makes sense. But for a lot of people, it, it it's not right. And so I think that this is worth worth mentioning. So you know, how you built muscle is how you're going to keep it. There is this myth that, hey, when you're trying to drop body fat, it's now we need to just completely change training. We need to make sure that we're training supersets, burnout sets, just getting that heart rate up because uh, we need want to burn as many calories as possible. But again, that's not the case. So Yes, you do want to you want to create a energy deficit in a fat loss phase, but that doesn't isn't going to be done through your weight training, right? That's going to be done through your nutrition and then move increasing your overall energy expenditure. And this is where like a lot of times this like fat these like fat loss workouts get wrong. Yes, they might burn a little bit more calories because you're getting your heart rate up and your watch says you burn more calories, but again, that doesn't mean that's what you burn for the day. Like the energy expenditure is a lot more complicated than that, right? It's, you have your basal metabolic rate. That's how many calories you burn just at rest, right? Just by doing your basic bodily functions, which makes up a big chunk of your energy expenditure. Okay. That's going to be like probably at least 70, 75%. So most of the calories you burn are just from just your body, right? Your body doing its thing. Then we have thermic effective food. That's going to be about around 10%. And that's going to be the energy your body expends absorbing and digesting food, right? So the food you eat actually will burn some calories. Then we have exercise activity, right? And this is very variable from person to person. And that's just formal exercise. Then we have neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And again, this is very variable from person to person. And this is just like sub- spontaneous movement, s- subconscious movement, right? Like me fidgeting, uh, moving around steps throughout the day. Like th- that's going to be your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And so there's a lot of things that make it up. And the 
people think that it's like this additive effect where it's like, Hey, if I burn 500 calories, that means that's 500 extra calories, but your body's smart and it, and it works around that. So just because you burn 500 calories in that workout doesn't mean that's 500 extra calories, right? It's all those things play a role. So what I'm getting at is we need to create a energy deficit. So that means that we need to find a way to potentially increase that, the amount of energy that we burn. Um, and expend throughout the day and also decrease the amount that we bring in. And um, you can't do a ton to increase the energy outside of it other than just move a little bit more. But again, there does come a point to where too much of that, there you get diminishing returns and you can't just continue to do more and more. So really we have to make that change through the food that we bring in. So that's going to be the biggest change in a fat loss phase is you, we might have you move a little bit more, but it, most of that change is going to be through the food that we bring in. That's going to be the best way in the most, in the, in the most consistent way to to get that energy um, deficit, not through training. So, long story short, like we don't want to change our training for that reason, right? So this means that training is going to stay the same, and you should continue with progressive overload, right? So you're going to do the same things that you did to build muscle that you are to maintain it during a fat loss phase. And saying this, it may get tougher to progress as you get leaner and further into your fat loss phase, but your mindset still needs to be that you're you're going to progress in this, right? So this isn't to say that it's going to be easy to progress. It's probably going to be a little bit tougher. Everything it's going to, things are going to be a little bit slower. Yeah. It's just going to be a little bit tougher to, to progress that there. But again, I think a lot of people, they end up losing muscle in the process because one, they don't take their training as seriously because, Oh, I'm in a deficit. I'm just focused on fat loss. So I don't need to worry about muscle, the muscle side of the equation. But again, you want to try to maintain as much muscle as possible. And in some situations, you probably can build a little bit of muscle depending on your background and things like that. But if we go into our sessions thinking like, oh, I'm not going to progress, I'm going to just change my workouts, then I do think that's going to put you at a disadvantage uh, to start. So you're still going to push your training. You're going to train the same way. A lot of times when people are like, how do I maintain my glutes? Why do my glutes look like flat when I diet? And it's because Again, people change the way they, they they train, right? And we really want to be careful with changing to that fat loss mindset of towards our, our weight training. Our weight training is there to build strength, maintain strength, build muscle, maintain muscle. And we want to continue to do that in a fat loss phase. The biggest change from a fat loss phase perspective is the energy in in terms of how many calories you eat. And again, maybe we'll also alter that slightly through increasing your movement overall. Again, I answered that in a, I probably went a little bit deeper than I need to on that, but I just wanted to give you background on, on you know why we're going to make those changes and and and, and where the big change going to is going to come through in in terms of of your 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 fat loss phase. All right, so next question is issues with falling and staying asleep. Tips, tricks. So I don't think there's any like tricks or anything like that, right? Like people are always looking for like tricks to fall asleep or get better sleep. But here's some things that, that can work. And I actually just listened to a, when I went to the NSCA conference, I listened to a really interesting talk on sleep and I'm actually going to have him on the podcast here soon, Nick Lamb. It was really in terms of when he talked about sleep hygiene lists, which I'm about to go over and give you guys and how he doesn't think those are always the greatest thing. And the biggest reason is our perception around sleep is really important. And, and what I mean by that is if you're somebody that struggles with sleep and you're either like focused on, oh, I need to get eight hours of sleep. And then you get into bed and it's, oh, I'm only going to get seven hours of sleep. You you get in, you get anxiety about falling asleep and then that keeps you up. And then now because you stay up, it's like, now this becomes an ingrained behavior in your mind of, oh, I just have this bad anxiety of falling asleep. I can't fall asleep. I always get poor sleep. And it just leads to this trickle down effect. So really working on those perceptions around sleep and behaviors can be key because it's going to allow you to, um, you know, get better sleep and then just feel better overall about sleep. 
I wanted to point that out before I go into this, because I think with sleep, it, you, you need to see what your biggest limiting factor is. And this is where I dive into this with clients like, hey, out of this list, what's your biggest one that you can work on? But he also hit on to in terms of the, uh, I think the big thing is like, oh, you need to sleep for X amount of hours when we probably don't want to only be in bed for three hours. But if you're getting six and, but we can improve that quality of sleep, like you're going to be in in a good spot there. That's going to be better than being like, oh, I have to get eight hours. So I need to be in bed. And then you get in bed and now you're just staying up for two to three hours, tossing and turning. And again, that becomes a habit Um, that behavior gets ingrained. And now your perception around sleep is, oh, I can't sleep. And then that just, that causes a lot of anxiety, right? It's just trickle down effects. So in saying that, think about that, but these are things that can help your your improve your quality. And then obviously, like I said, I'm going to have Nick on here in a couple of weeks to talk about sleep just a little bit more. So here's some things that can help and just like big things that I see people struggle with. So first is cut out caffeine as early as possible in your day. I think this one is probably goes under, uh, it's a one that, oh, my sleep sucks. Cut out caffeine. Oh, okay. No, that's not it. That's one that's just brushed off to the side of, I don't really want to fix that. So what are some other things I can do at, at this point? So cut out caffeine as early as possible in your day. That's the best thing I can say there on it. I could sit here and give you times 12 to 2 PM. You probably don't want to go much later than that. But again, as early as you can in the day is going to be better, but also look at overall caffeine intake. If you're struggling to fall asleep and you're finding that recently you've had more caffeine, that might be something that you want to look at uh, there as well too. So that was actually my next one was dial back overall caffeine intake, right? That's going to be a big thing is just how much you have throughout the day, even if it is earlier in the day. Avoid blue right before bed, especially in bed, right? This is a big one where this kind of goes back to that initial thing that I talked about where people are in bed, they toss and turn, that becomes like an ingrained habit or whatnot. So same type of thing here too, where people maybe are like, hey, I need to be in bed for eight hours. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on my phone. I'm going to sit there until I get tired and then I'm going to fall asleep. But what happens there is now you're getting a lot of blue light before bed. You're looking at things that may be like triggering you or causing some anxiety. So then now that anxiety is high. You're also getting a lot of blue light. So it's going to be tougher to fall asleep. And again, that leads to that that trickle-down effect that we had had talked about there. So try to avoid blue light before bed. Get maybe blue light blocking glasses, um, put the nightlight on your, your phone or screen or whatever it may be. And if you are somebody that does like to like maybe be on your phone for a little bit before bed, try to do that outside of your bed start to get a little tired and then go into bed versus sitting in your bed, just scrolling through your phone there on that. But that's a big one. Keep your room cool. So we want to keep it at about 68 to 72 degrees. Again, that can be a low hanging fruit there that a lot of people, when they wake up in the middle of the night, it's usually, Hey, I'm super hot. So again, trying to get that room nice and cool can be super helpful there. Get into a relaxing bedtime routine. So this again goes, I think this is very underrated where it's like people are just doing their normal day-to-day stuff. Maybe they're working, they're doing something else, and then they just try to go straight to sleep. And they they try to go into bed and then try to fall uh, straight to sleep. So again, that's going to lead to that potentially tossing and turning. And then this leads to that trickle-down effect uh, that I had initially talked about. Try to get into a a relaxing bedtime routine. Again, like a 30 to 60-minute routine that you just wind down, you do something relaxing. Again, if it is for you, maybe you have blue light blocking glasses and you just scroll on your phone for 15 minutes. Again, trying to avoid things that are going to trigger you. So if like social media does that, maybe it's something that's a little bit more relaxing. Maybe it's funny TikToks, whatever it may be. But it could be reading, it could be breath work, uh, it could be watching TV, right? So long as it doesn't end up causing you to stay up later. And again, try to get those blue light blocking glasses there on that potentially. I've used those. And again, I think they help, but it could just be a placebo. So just feel it out there uh, on that. Um, But some sort of bedtime routine versus again, getting going 
straight from doing something and then trying to get in bed and falling asleep. Limit large meals one to two hours before bed. So this can impact your sleep. So really try to avoid those really large meals um, beforehand. But the other big thing too, is like really try to avoid other than sex and sleep, try to avoid being in your bed if you can, right? We want to use the bed for sex and sleep. If you're just sitting there eating or you're just like, you're in there throughout the day, try to avoid that because again, this kind of creates that association of the bed's a time to do like other things. Whereas we really want it to, we really want to train your brain to be like, okay, I'm in bed. This is time to go to sleep. And then you can get quality sleep versus trying to do all these extra things in bed again, scrolling your phone, whatever it may be. And then again, you learn to like, oh, my bed is, I have a lot of anxiety around sleep, whatever it may be. So those would be some things. Now, some other things you could do is uh, look at supplementing with magnesium glycinate or maybe a small dose of melatonin to help you fall asleep. But your big rocks are going to be the things above, right? Don't be that. What we want to avoid is, oh, I need to have my sleep stuff in order to fall asleep. I was just having this conversation with a client the other day where she said, oh, I sleep better when I have my when I take things before bed. And it's that's good to do that every once in a while, but we need to look at these habits first to see if we can improve anything because we want those to be the big things that we focus on versus, oh, it's because I didn't take my things before medication or supplements or whatnot before bed. Focus on these first, but look at potentially adding in some of these supplements. So that's it on the sleep. Again, it's super important, but also maybe we don't, maybe we don't need to worry so much about how much sleep we get. And so we need to work on these habits first and focusing on the quality versus stressing over eight hours. Because again, the eight hour thing isn't necessarily like a, it's going to work for everybody. Some people can get away with a little less. So that would suck if you're that person that can get away with a little less and you're like stressing about not getting eight hours of sleep and then you stress and then you end up impacting the quality of your sleep as well too. Oh, and, and then also like alcohol too, that alcohol is going to be another one that Again, it's, it's it will sedate you and you'll feel tired, but it's not going to improve your quality of sleep. So even a little bit. So you do want to be careful with that. And then also with the coffee, definitely make sure you're not drinking coffee before bed. Even if you're somebody, oh, I fall asleep just fine. It is going to impact the quality of your sleep. So just a few things there. So this next one's going to be more, we're going to see how this question goes and how um, I answer it, but it was like, how to divide this week? So four strength sessions, two sprint sessions, and two long zone two cardio sessions. So how I went about this was I think the biggest thing here is what is your main goal? So I'm going to take this from the the from a muscle growth is a main goal lens, okay? Because I think that's important, right? What is your main goal here? So I think if muscle growth is your main goal, we need to prioritize a strength training, meaning you need to set this up in a way that allows you to be recovered for your lifting sessions. So I would do the sprints as far away from length training probably. Now with the sprints, I would be like, what is the reason for the sprints, right? If you're not like an athlete, for a certain like for sports or anything like that, I would just be like, what are we trying to do with these with these sprints, right? Could we potentially like move that to something like could that be something else that you do versus the sprints, right? That would be my first thing there with that. But anyways, I would do the sprints as far away from my training as as possible, just because that's going to require a lot of explosiveness. That's going to be very similar to it. you. Basically, will utilize the same type of muscles that you would utilize in like. Your, your weight training, right? So you're going to fatigue those there with that. So zone two cardio, you could do on your upper body, heavy strength days after weight training. If you can give yourself some time to eat in between, I think that's key. I would try to eat in between those sessions. I'm not a big fan of doing weight training and then going straight into cardio. Give yourself some time to maybe eat a little bit if possible. I would also try to maybe make this work to where you get one full day off as well, where you're not doing something. So try to get at least one full off day in there. So recovery is going to be the biggest thing here. So make sure you have good nutrition and good sleep. You probably don't want to do this if you're, it's going to be a lot tougher to manage if you're in a cut, right? Recovery is going to be down. If you're not getting good sleep, this is going to be tougher to manage. That recovery aspect is super important here when you're trying to do multiple different things. And that's where most people go wrong. They're trying to do everything at once. They're trying to be 
the most jacked. They're trying to be the strongest. They're trying to have the best cardio. They're trying to also lose body fat at the same time. And it's, you're just trying to do too many things at once. You have to prioritize some things here. And so I wanted to give an example of what this may look like. So we have a, a, a couple different options here. Just remember, this is just these are just options. We would obviously see how you how you progress and whatnot before determining if this is what we would do. So Monday would be lower body strength. Tuesday would be upper body strength slash zone two cardio. Right, we would try to get try to break those up. Wednesday would be sprint a sprinting session. Again, that would be. That would give us time in between uh, your lower body sessions. Thursday could be a complete rest day. Again, maybe you're just getting like steps or something like that. Friday would be lower lower strength. Saturday, upper strength sprint. Again, we're getting a little close there to the to the lower body session. Maybe again, this is where it's ideally. Maybe we just wouldn't sprint that second time and or at all. And then Sunday, you could do zone two. Basically, you spread that sprinting as far away from possible as your lower body strength. You get one complete off day and you also are hitting two zone two sessions, right? Or the other option is lower body strength, Tuesday, upper body strength slash sprint. Again, you would break that up if you could. Wednesday would be zone two cardio. Thursday would be lower body strength. Friday would be upper body strength slash sprint. Saturday zone two, and then Sunday off, right? But again, these options, like there's a lot of options and there, there's more that we could go through, but I, I felt like these two were something I felt like prioritized lifting, but also allowed for adequate recovery. And again, realizing that sleep, stress management, nutrition are going to play a big role in recovery as well. So those are just a couple ways that you could uh, program that. Again, there's we could sit here and be like, this is the most optimal way, but it's ultimately going to come down to the person and how they're recovering, right? That's what we would base this off of. Just realize that it, it, this is a good starting point, but again, we would have to individualize it, right? People are always looking for what's the best amount of calories for me. What's the best training program for me? What's the best split when we can give you general outlines and like things that, that you can work from, but from there you, you do have to individualize it moving forward, right? Based on your recovery, how you're progressing, all, all, all those fun things. Like I said, this was just a fun thing to do. I always find it fun to program these things and program different goals. Cause it's fun to see how you can fit it all in into a, a week or maybe it's not a week. Maybe it's like a eight, nine day, you know, move that week out, extend that week out a little bit. Um, but either way, I thought this was a fun thing to do. Like I said, I probably would just not, I would really want to know what the sprints are for, but yeah, uh, again, I just think that those might be not necessary. I think you can maybe do that a different way, but also just like, do you need to do that in general? So that, that would be the biggest thing I would ask. So if you ask this question and you're curious and, and you're listening to this, I would love to hear the reasoning on the sprints on that, like why you'd want to include those, but that's it uh, for me for this episode. And I will chat with you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.